I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, global reaction. The British Prime Minister is in Israel as President Biden prepares a major speech on the situation in the Middle East. Hostages and Hamas. How lawmakers in the United States are trying to secure the release of those being held captive. Signs of progress. New developments in the targeting of the faithful by the Ortega regime in Nicaragua. And something to treasure. A new exhibition displays ancient artifacts from churches in England. These stories add more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us. Our top story tonight, increasingly dire conditions. That's how the U.N. describes the situation for one million people in Gaza who are living without critical supplies. Israeli airstrikes are compounding the misery with relentless attacks in a retaliation for the Hamas rampage. This comes as the Israeli military has told troops to be ready for a ground invasion into Gaza. Israel has also permitted Egypt to begin to provide aid to those in the region. The first trucks of aid are expected to go in Friday. Well, President Joe Biden will make a direct appeal to Americans tonight during a primetime address. He wants to speak about both the wars in Ukraine and Israel and wants to build support for more USA. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen. Tracy, good evening to you. Tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, President Biden is scheduled to speak to the nation from the Oval Office. The president is reportedly requesting $100 billion in more aid, with the money going to Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and the U.S. southern border. President Joe Biden returned to Washington, D.C. overnight following a whirlwind trip to Israel. On the way back, speaking about the safety of Americans in the war zone. But I'm hopeful we can get some Americans out as well of Gaza, and then hopefully we can continue to work toward getting uh, other Americans out through other means as well. The president also repeated the U.S. assessment that Israel is not responsible for a deadly explosion at a Gaza hospital, which sparked global protests. And I'm not suggesting that Hamas deliberately did it either. It's that old thing, got to know how to shoot straight. Israel actually blames a different terrorist group for the hospital bombing, not Hamas, although Hamas is still the focus of the overall war. And that's what you can expect to hear in the president's Oval Office speech tonight. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says President Biden will address the nation to discuss a response to Hamas's terrorist attacks against Israel and Russia's ongoing brutal war against Ukraine. White House Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer adds... Second, uh, he will connect uh, those events and this broader moment uh, to the lives of Americans uh, back here and explain uh, why this should matter to us. But the president's plan to provide more aid to Palestinians in the Gaza Strip being ripped by Republican presidential candidates, including Ron DeSantis. They say it's humanitarian assistance. We know Hamas is going to commandeer that money and Hamas is going to use it to advance terrorism. And at the U.S. State Department today, the Catholic Patriarch of Jerusalem, his name is Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, he recently said he would allow himself to be taken hostage by Hamas if Hamas would release the children they are currently holding in captivity. One, is the State Department aware of that offer? I've seen public reports about it. I don't have any comment about it. Our, our position all along has been that Hamas should just release the innocent civilians that it's holding. There shouldn't be, that it's not necessary to have any further negotiations. These are, in many cases, uh, children, uh, in some cases, babies, and that Hamas just ought to release them. 
Now, I also asked the State Department about Holy Family Church. It's the only Catholic church, Roman Catholic church in Gaza. Right now, it's housing refugees from the war. The State Department told me it's not clear if the new aid, the $100 million that it's sending to Gaza, will make it specifically to that church. They're low on food, electricity, mattresses, water. They did emphasize, however, all innocent civilians should have basic human necessities. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. President Biden isn't the only Western leader showing support for Israel. The British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak landed in Tel Aviv earlier today. It was the first stop on his two-day trip to Middle Eastern capitals. During a press conference with Sunak, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said the Hamas attack represented the world's darkest hour. Hamas are the new Nazis. They're the new ISIS. And we have to fight them together just as the world, the civilized world, united to fight uh, the Nazis and united to fight Hamas, it must together now stand with Israel as we fight and defeat, defeat Hamas. This is not merely our battle, it's the battle of the entire civilized world. And we also recognize that the Palestinian people are victims of Hamas too. And that is why I welcome your decision yesterday that you took to ensure that routes into Gaza will be opened for humanitarian aid to enter I'm glad that you made that decision. Well, as the war in Israel and Gaza intensifies, the search for hostages taken by Hamas becomes more urgent. More than 200 people are known to have been kidnapped this past week, including more than a dozen Americans. Lawmakers are demanding the Biden administration step up its efforts to rescue them. Joining us now on Capitol Hill is Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales with more on this. Eric. Well, good evening, Tracy. Among those believed to be held by Hamas are children, the elderly, peace activists, and even soldiers. Lawmakers tell me Hamas is following the same playbook of taking hostages to trade, just like Iran did with the recent prisoner swap with the United States. Today, I spoke with a woman who experienced Hamas's evil firsthand. As soon as we pulled over our cars, that's when we heard the first gunshots. Long Island resident Natalie Sandaji was at the Israeli Music Festival when Hamas fighters attacked from the air and ground, killing 260 people. One of the most terrifying things was running in a specific direction, thinking that you're running to safety, and then seeing dozens of kids run in your direction and realizing that they're running from terrorists, they're running from being shot at. Natalie tells me Hamas came from all directions. She found a group hiding in a ditch. She almost stayed with her friends. Later, she learned of their fate. Most of the kids who stayed and hid in that ditch were shot and killed by the terrorists. Natalie tells me they ran, stopping under a tree to catch their breath. She and others then saw a truck in the distance. At first, she thought it was terrorists. Thankfully, it was a man who lived in a nearby town who drove to the area attempting to save kids. We all jumped in the back of his pickup truck, and he dropped us off in his town. And as soon as he dropped us off, I didn't even have a moment to thank him. He just turned right back around and risked his life all over again to save more children. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. And you didn't even have time to thank him? I don't even know his name. I didn't even get to see his face. Natalie tells me she's concerned with the Biden administration announcing a $100 million aid package to Gaza and the West Bank because that money will likely end up in the hands of Hamas. Lawmakers agree. They're holding Americans. And we're going to give them money. I mean, would you do that? Who would do that? Who would give someone? They're holding your family hostage. They've killed your family, and we give them money? This is crazy. 
Natalie has this message to all Americans. We have the same common enemy and that we need to come together to fight against this enemy and that Israel needs America's support. Natalie adds that the fight is not between Israel and Palestinians. She says that the fight is purely against evil, the terrorist organization Hamas, which must be destroyed. Tracy? Unbelievable story right there, Eric. And now another story that you're following is the uh, speakership of the U.S. House. What's the latest there? Well, I tell you, it continues to change moment by moment. But at this hour, Congressman Jim Jordan is pushing for a third vote. It's not clear on exactly when that's going to happen, but the Ohio congressman emerged from a very intense meeting where there was a lot of screaming and yelling between lawmakers in the GOP conference saying that he is still running for speakership. Earlier today, Jordan told his conference that he would back up a plan to temporarily expand the powers to Congressman Patrick McHenry, who is serving as interim speaker, speaker that is. But now Republicans are moving away from that plan. So again, Congressman Jim Jordan is not giving up on being the 56th Speaker of the U.S. House. Tracy. Okay, thank you, Eric. Well, thousands of Israeli Defense Force reservists have been called to active duty in the wake of the October 7th attacks, some even returning from overseas, including Halal, a dual American Israeli citizen. He was in New Jersey with his family at the time of the terrorist attacks and rushed back to Israel to serve his country. For security reasons, we have been asked not to share his last name. And joining me now is Hillel from a base in Israel to tell more of his story. Hillel, thank you so much for joining us right now, especially in the midst of everything that's going on. Um, I want to start off uh, by asking you, you know, where were you when the attacks happened on October 7th? And can you also talk to us about the process of getting back to Israel so quickly? Two Saturdays ago, um, on Saturday morning, so I was at the like, synagogue, um, and someone had... Um, um, had come to the synagogue to um, to tell us um, that something like um, super bad had happened in Israel, and because we keep the Sabbath, so we would have uh, no way to know because we don't look at our phones or anything um, or anything like that. So, um, so I found out there, and I had gone um, straight home. Um, and even though it was the Sabbath, I had gone home and went straight to my phone to see if I was called up. And indeed, um, I was uh, called up. So that was the first step of, uh, of finding out. Uh, hello, what did you think when you found out exactly what happened? Um, what went through your mind? Um, the second I saw it, um, I just couldn't believe it, just also because of the sheer numbers, and also because I, from active service, I had served um, on the Gaza border. So, like... So something like that uh, to have happened in my time there seems crazy. Um, and I, I mean, I, so I think that that was my first part of it. And the second part of it was, um, was I had found out um, and I had just gone and left the room to tell my wife plus my family. Um, and, and as soon as I started to speak, I just like I kind of broke down. Because I just because because like to say, yeah, you know, I'm Hamas has killed, you know, like blank, 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 blank. And also like beheaded uh, uh, 40 babies and shot like like I could barely talk. Um, but I mean, that was my life first reaction. And my first thing um, that I did was I thought for about two seconds and I said, OK, like it's time 
she could go back. Um, so, and then I tried, um, I had to go find a flight. That was my next step. And my, and my wife and my 10 month old, um, are still uh, back in the States because they really can't find a flight home. Mm-hmm. And because I'm here, um, I can't like help them out. So, you know, so at least um, they have some help there, but that's the current, uh, the current situation. Yeah. It's so hard. Uh, I mean, to wrap your mind around the whole situation. Um, hello. I want to, if you can maybe help people understand something, um, as far as requirements to serve in the military, uh, f- for Israelis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Cause it's different than here in the U S yeah. Um, so if you are a, a citizen, then you have to serve, um, as soon as you finish high school slash you reach uh, the age of 18, you have to serve. Um, now I came in as a volunteer. Um, I, you know, you know, like I had come here just for a gap year and I had learned in a Jewish um, institution for two years and then they have a program there. Um, and they have it uh, throughout the country. Uh, and then it's a five-year program, um, but the start of it is that you learn for two years and then you go serve. Yeah, let, let me ask you how, how you're feeling. What's the feeling, you know, among all the soldiers? I mean, this is wartime. How do you all feel about everything? Um, I mean, we're definitely sad because of like because of all the people uh, we have lost, and and we're concerned for the 200 plus um, kidnapped. You know. Um, but um, but we also know that like we have a job to do, we have a people, um, an entire a nation to go and protect, and you know I think that that's our focus. So you know I think that the country now is kind of in a state of a grieving, um, and in a state of helping these soldiers in all ways um, that they can, um, you know. But the focus uh, for the soldiers. Is just um, to protect our people and to make sure uh, that something as horrible as what happened can never and will never happen again. Okay. Well, hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, be safe and God bless you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Pope Francis met with the president of the World Jewish Congress addressing the Israel-Hamas war. President Ronald Lauder urged the Holy Father to use his moral authority on behalf of the hostages held in Gaza. This meeting marks the establishment of the first ever liaison office of a Jewish organization on Vatican property. The Congress also noted the gathering signified deep Jewish-Catholic ties. Oh, we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including cause for concern. A high-ranking Kremlin official meets with the leader of North Korea. And the latest on the only Catholic church in Gaza providing a shelter from the storm in a time of war. Russia is proposing regular security talks with China and North Korea. Moscow says it would boost defense ties while also monitoring the United States. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov traveled to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Last week, the U.S. claimed that Pyongyang had sent weapons and munitions to Moscow. This follows a summit last month between the North Korean leader and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Our loved ones gathered to pay their respects to a teacher in France killed last week in a suspected terror attack. (laughs) 
French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife were among the mourners in attendance. 57-year-old Dominique Bernard was stabbed in an attack by a suspected Islamic extremist. Three other people were injured. One suspect is now in custody. The teacher was remembered as someone who preferred books over computers and social media. Well, as the war rages on between Israel and Hamas, the humanitarian crisis grows. In Gaza City sits the only Roman Catholic parish in the Gaza Strip. Holy Family Church. But now, not only is it a place of worship, it is also a place of refuge. Currently, about 500 Christian refugees who have been displaced by the war are seeking shelter there, and the numbers are growing. Joining us now to give us more insights is Ed Clancy, Director of Outreach for the Aid to the Church. And Ed, always good to be with you. Uh, thanks for coming on. First off, uh, let's talk about the Holy Family Church. What more can you tell us about the parish and also the challenges they're facing right now? Well, it's a small community of Catholics uh, in, in Gaza. There are about eleven or twelve hundred uh, Christians in all of Gaza, and amongst them, about a third of them are Catholic. Uh, so the community is very small, but it's uh, very strong. Uh, there's they're taken care of by the uh, the priest of the Institute of the Verbo Incarnado, a order started in Argentina, and the Sisters of the Holy Rosary. And for the most part, they're a very close community and very, like, as I mentioned before, a strong community. And they answered the call immediately when, when this began to take in all people. And now uh, of the uh, thousand or so Christians there, maybe half or more are, are being sheltered in this church. Yeah, and what are the biggest needs uh, for them? And also, how difficult is it to get aid in that area right now? I mean, is it even possible? It's I would say nearly impossible. Uh, we are in regular communication with Sister Nabila Sada, who is the um, the nun in charge of the community, and uh, she said that they have nothing. Um, you know, we communicate very infrequently over these last two days because of lack of of, um, of cell phone connection. Um, she has tried to send video messages, but uh, again, the connection wasn't very good, so we have to rely on very poor quality audio connection. Um, they need medicine, they need food, they need water, they need uh, blankets and mattresses because slowly the numbers have increased from uh, 300 to more than 500 now, maybe it's close to uh, 700 people that they are sheltering. Um, and each day it grows a little bit more difficult for them. Yeah. And how is aid to the church in need? I know it's a hard time to, with all this going on, but, but how are you all trying to help and provide assistance? Well, the first, our first effort is to make to make sure we understand exactly what we what they need for help, and then the next thing is the best way to to achieve the aid. Currently, there's no channels of communication, uh, no, no channels of relief going in very directly. And with the recent advent of humanitarian uh, pathways opening up, we looked at, forward to taking advantage of that and making sure that any aid that is given, there is some portion of it gotten to the the church. And the community, uh, it is always our role to support the role, to support the local church in this way, and so um, we're going to investigate all means possible to make sure that they have uh, at least some aid that we can get them. Yeah, we have about a minute or so left, Ed, but but I want to touch on this. I mean, we know that Israel's urged civilians to get out of Gaza because of the war and the impending ground evasion. That said, I know, and we've talked about this, I mean, you're in contact with, with many people over there. Um, what are you hearing from them? I mean, are they trying to flee? Are they trying to get out, or are they choosing to stay put? I think there's a good number of them that would like to, but the passage out is not easy. 
there is no guarantee of a secure passage out. Uh, there has been no direct communication as to which direction to go. I mean, there's essentially two points of access, one from their east and to the south into Egypt. Uh, the one to the east goes into Israel, and uh, that's sort of a hard no. Uh, there's hope that the southern passage will open up, but obviously the church is located in the northernmost part of Gaza, so it would be something like a 30-kilometer or more journey uh, down to the south to get even close to the border. So it would be arduous, uh, and a lot of the people who remain behind are elderly and infirm, so th their their travel would be difficult. So all of that would have to be in consideration if anything was to be done to get them out. Yeah, quickly, I mean, what's your biggest concern about all of that? Well, I, one of the biggest things, obviously, the importance is the, the safety and the, the people to get out safely or to be safe. Uh, the other thing is, would, is this the end of Christianity in that area? Uh, you know, it's very likely that the hundreds that will leave uh, will never come back. And what does that mean for the long-term stability of the region whenever there's a christian deficit there's usually a, a vacuum and it's not really filled by other groups other than the church so that that is a concern in the long run but immediately it's the safety and the uh and the security of these people that they either get out or find uh, a place of safe haven yeah we got to pray for all of them ed thanks so much for your time today and all that you do god bless you're welcome thank you and god bless you too up next on EWTN News Nightly, Sign of Hope, a report says the Vatican has intervened in the targeting of Catholics in Nicaragua, plus a special exhibition on religious relics in England. Wisconsin Republicans passed a bill that would ban so-called gender-affirming surgery for minors. The measure now heads to Democrat Governor Tony Evers' desk, who has vowed to veto it. Democrat lawmakers say banning such surgeries is, quote, cruel. The governor of Illinois is taking his abortion advocacy group Think Big America nationwide. J.B. Pritzker, a Democrat, has already legalized abortion by statute before the Supreme Court banned the procedure. The group has already funded pro-abortion efforts outside of Illinois, such as Ohio, Arizona, and Nevada. Well, the Holy See will welcome 12 priests recently released from prison in Nicaragua. That is the word from the director of the Holy See's press office. The Ortega regime said the priests were put on a plane to Rome following productive talks with the Vatican. But one name not on the list, Bishop Rolando Alvarez. Since 2018, the government in Nicaragua has conducted a crackdown campaign on religious institutions, most notably the Catholic Church. Alvarez fought for fundamental freedoms in Nicaragua and paid a price. The bishop gained international attention when he refused exile to stay with his flock. A court sentenced him to 26 years in prison. A new exhibit in the United Kingdom showcases objects from churches and parishes that have survived religious upheaval, fire, and war. The Undercroft Museum lies beneath York Minster, built on the site of a Roman fortress. Excavations of the site also uncovered an Anglo-Saxon cemetery and the foundations of Norman Minster. Some artifacts at the exhibit are thousands of years old. Well, finally tonight, the Cardinal Patriarch of Lisbon urges the faithful to join him in a moment of prayer for peace in the Holy Land. Gostaria 
During Mass in central Lisbon, Cardinal Rui Valerio said that we are living in a serious and decisive moment. He also called out the violence against innocent civilians, saying we need to, quote, cease this course of killing, adding that with prayer, everything is possible. Well, we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook X and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.